When you need advice on beauty, who are you gonna call? Beauty Call with Janice McGuinn. Janice is easy and loves to have casual yet informative conversations on sex, beauty, love, fashion, work-life balance, diet, fitness, nutrition, relationship, and life's ups and downs. Join the Beauty Call podcast and learn inside secrets to true beauty. So Trina, it is so nice to see you and talk with you again. I know you have a lot going on since we last spoke. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it, it really has been a while. It, you know, time just kind of slips away before we know it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've just been involved in so many great and amazing things. Um, the, you know, I was laid off from a hospital system working in marketing. And just took some time off to really do some soul searching, figure out what I wanted to do, um, you know, do some traveling and um, really honed in on giving back to the community and making sure that what I'm doing had purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, that it wasn't just going through the actions day by day. And so through that journey, several different things came about. One is, you know, I'm an abstract artist and um, I did a piece for um, Grand Rapids Art Prize, which is a internationally known uh, art exhibit and thousands of people apply to it and only hundreds get selected. And I was fortunate to get selected for that exhibit. And my piece that I did was for a homeless shelter. And uh, the piece was the transition of homelessness to, um, you know, just enlightenment, you know, like the struggles that we go through and you hold on to that very last thread. But if you keep fighting through and pushing through, you know, that, there's that opportunity for coming out and over. And so I ended up receiving an award for that. And it just kind of opened up doors of opportunity for me. And from that, um, I've participated in a few different live exhibits. And it's so much fun. Um, It's where I do the painting live in front of an audience. And with that, I incorporate, you know, engage the audience. I have them come up and I have them write on the canvas and there's a whole purpose to it because I want them to be able to relate to the artwork. Mm -hmm. And so that, open up a a few different opportunities. The most recent one um, was with the Iowa Rotary and actually is getting auctioned off for um, a human trafficking campaign. So all of these have had some type of purpose to them, you know, and so I have really honed in on making whatever I'm doing have some type of purpose. So how did you choose your subject for art? It sounds to me like you, you know, you chose some very dark subjects. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I know that 
you know, it's been a dark time in our world. We've gone through this pandemic together. Um, of course, now we're coming out of it, but it's been basically two years of of hell for a lot of people. Um, but how did you choose? Was this was it inspired by someone you knew, by something that you you have uh, worked with as a volunteer? How did you choose your subject? Yeah, so unfortunately, I have actually lived in homelessness myself, um, not in the typical sense of living up under a bridge. And, <laughs> you know, that was the whole purpose of why I felt that I, it was important for me to connect with that homeless mm-hmm. shelter right. is because there is a lot of misnomers about homelessness. You know, a lot of people just instantly think of somebody who has mental health issues, somebody who's a drug addict or is living under a bridge. And the numbers are astounding of how many people are actually homeless that are living in hotel rooms or are living with family members or going from home to home. And, um, you know, that's, that's actually what happened when I was laid off from my job. I um, sold my home. It actually took me almost a year um, to find employment with an employer. Now, of course, I have my own business, you know, with the art, but, you know, it's a very specific clientele. You know, I'm an abstract artist, so it's not like I'm painting portraits or, you know, their pets or their family members. So although I did get some income in from that it wasn't enough to be sustainable so I found myself traveling you know from family Mm -hmm. members and friends over a 10-month period just trying to find where I was going to land you know and so having those dark pieces is important because it helps tell a story Mm -hmm. and it helps others understand that you know what you're not alone. You know, there's, there's many people out there that are going through that, especially during the pandemic. There were several people, you know, that ended up living in their cars. And so I wanted to provide hope. And that is really why um, I chose those, those specific topics. Beautiful. I mean, I, I actually know a couple of people that had that nomad lifestyle Mm -hmm. Yes, went from Airbnbs to family members to friends and just to figure out what they wanted to do. Or in some cases, like I live in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and sometimes people just wanted to get out of the city. People want to get out of these major cities and get back to where their roots are. And that that does take time to travel and time to change. And you are like you sold your house. It's the same thing You moved from one area of where you love in Georgia to another area that you love, but it still takes a lot of energy and time. And I've thought about it myself, even, I know that sounds crazy, but I've, in the last two years, I've changed quite a bit. And I think most people listening to podcasts are, are, are evolving and and looking for that nourishment in their, their souls and their minds. And they probably understand what we're, we're talking about, but I've thought about that myself about just picking up and leaving and going back home to North Carolina because well I can I have free will but also it's just 
you know, when you live in a city like this, sometimes you do live paycheck to paycheck and you're one paycheck away from being homeless. So I'm so glad you brought light to that because, you know, from day to day, I mean, we talked about this before we hit the record button that sometimes it's just like, Hey, I'm getting through today. It's day by day. I am surviving today. And I know I feel that maybe for different reasons than you feel that, or someone else listening feels that, but I understand it. So there is, there is hope. And I'm so glad that you shed that light on hope. And now you have a job and you settled somewhere near your family, uh, near your dad. Right. So that's amazing. That is. Yeah. So I'm back in Iowa and um, actually, you know, the first time you and I met, Mm -hmm. I actually was living in Iowa. So (laughs) It's come full circle. Um, I actually am back and forth, though. My daughter still and my grandkids live in Georgia. Um, and I have a business uh, in Georgia. And so I go back and forth every month. And, mm-hmm. you know, part of what I also speak about is rare disease awareness. Yes. And my um, my mission is to make rare visible. And one of the challenges that I have been facing moving back to Iowa is healthcare. Uh, I have, I'm one who has an invisible disease, actually I have several of them, and one of them being a rare immune deficiency mm. that requires um, infusions of um, a human immune globulin, it's a mouthful. <laughs> so basically when you donate plasma, I'm the person who gets that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a challenge. You know, I currently work for a chamber of commerce. And so keeping money in my community is important to me. Yeah. And so I tried so hard to keep my health care in my community. But unfortunately, I was the first person in that office who had a rare disease. And so they just really didn't know how to fill out the paperwork, how to handle it, you know, et cetera. And so Uh even though I've tried to educate, um, there's a lot of things that have got to happen on a legislation level. Mm -hmm. And so I have gotten involved. I've contacted our governor, our senators, you know, I, I, I have gotten involved to make some changes in Iowa because it has to happen on a state level. Yeah. Before it can happen on a local level. So because of that, um, I am having to travel back and forth uh, with Georgia being my main residency and coming back and forth for work in Iowa just so that I can get my health care and get the needed treatment on a monthly basis. So it it is a little hectic, um, but you know what? It's it's so important, and I think that being able to lead by example to others that are going through this, and you know, hope—that is my word. You know, I'm always saying I am hope, and it it gives hope to other people that are struggling through these challenges. And you know, I've been told many times by individuals who are in the rare disease community that, you know, I've helped motivate them and push them and help them know that they're not alone. So, you know, I think it's really important that I keep having my voice heard over and over again. 
Right. I know. I, I, I can't even imagine what it'd be like to not be able to get the health care that you need where you live. And we have to advocate for the things that we need. And imagine someone not being diagnosed and not knowing what's wrong with them and not feeling good all the time, just because their local medical specialists don't, don't understand what they have right. or don't know how to Absolutely. treat it. Absolutely. I mean, my, I was misdiagnosed um, almost 20 years ago. And, you know, for several years, um, I was told that I had one thing with tons of medication being, you know, given to me that made me toxic, because that wasn't the right treatment. Um, and so, you know, I, I sit and I think about these things and can be so analytical sometimes. <laughs> and I think about like how many other people are misdiagnosed or underdiagnosed, you know? And so that's one of the things I, that I do have on my to-do list is to connect with my local community to see, you know, what kind of numbers, what do the numbers look like, you know? Mm -hmm. Is this particular misdiagnosis that I was given, is that number high here? Right. And if so, that leads me to the next, you know, like, okay, well then I need to do some more advocacy here right. in my community. So, right. so yeah. how, how can people, I mean, and of course we, we have this at the end of the show too, but how can people help you or maybe even find out more information because they may have the same thing. What is a good resource for them to, to, to view, to look up? Yeah. So, um, because there's so many, I mean, there's over 7,000 different rare diseases out there. Um, you know, I have been volunteering with an organization called rare strides mm -hmm. and their focus is to educate healthcare teams but also to help the patients of the rare disease community. So I would highly recommend to go to Rare Strides website, check out the information that they have there, reach out to them, info at rarestrides.com. Um, lots of resources there. Um, obviously, you know, if people have questions. I'm, I can be found as the zebra queen on all of my social media. And, uh, you know, I'll be more than happy to share any resources or things that I went through and I'm constantly, you know, researching and asking my healthcare team questions, you know, and I think that's key is, is not taking, you know, if you have that gut feeling that there's something else, um, don't be afraid to speak or to ask questions. That's so true. You have to do that for sure. You have to ask questions and you have to take your own health in your own hands, right? You have to. Yes. Um, I know what it's like to be misdiagnosed and you have to fight for what can make you feel better. So let's shift a little bit. I think these are all great topics. And I and I, I know you you have been going through so much and I I really applaud you for everything that you've done, but you, you not only work for yourself and you have an own, your own business and you're an abstract artist and you have a, a whole new career and you're in Iowa, but you also work for a couple of volunteer organizations that have some upcoming events. So why don't you share with us about that? 
Yeah, so um, I'm the current Miss Classic Iowa Global Continental. And I mean, even though I have that title, I've been involved in volunteerism for many, many years. Um, so we're really focused on volunteerism with um, that particular pageant system. Um, and a couple things that we're involved in is I am doing a sock drive for a couple of the elementary schools here in my community. Mm -hmm. um, my hometown is one of um, a, a, an underserved community, um, generational poverty sort of thing. And so we're doing a sock drive to put in their community closet because surprisingly, you just don't really think about socks as, you know, something that could make a difference in a child and their learning capability. You know, they may not have any socks. Um, they're, they may have one pair of socks and they might have holes in them. And, you know, they could be thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want anybody to see my socks. So that confidence level goes down or, you know, they don't have them to keep their feet warm mm -hmm. or maybe they're wet or whatever the case may be. So um, I currently have a hundred socks that I will be donating here soon to two classes. I'm really excited about that. Um, I also am working with Rare Strides and we have um, our free concert coming up in Metro Atlanta and it's a glow in the dark concert to make Rare visible. So I'm really excited about that event. Uh, that'll be May 7 in Swanee, Georgia, uh, which is a Metro Atlanta uh, suburb. And then I also volunteer with I Am Love which focuses on domestic violence, domestic or uh, sexual assault or abuse, um, along with some other traumas. And we have Cruise with Love that will be coming up in July. I believe it's July 23rd. And we're looking for community leaders to help us, um, you know, get some movement, whether it's a hike, a walk, a 5K, just, you know, the opportunities are out there and mm. uh, we're looking to help people become a leader in their community and we'll provide all the marketing material and help promote it. So that's another opportunity that people can get involved with. That sounds amazing. I, I love that. Love it all. And we'll provide these resources in the show notes, everyone, if you want to be able to volunteer or if you know someone that might be interested in volunteering, this is something and easy things that we can do to support Trina, to support these causes, to help fight against rare disease and against domestic violence and sexual abuse. And, you know, as someone who, you know, has listened to my podcast, you, you know that I have a background of sexual abuse. Um, I mean, luckily it was only one incident in my life, but it affected my whole life. And so I'm an advocate for that organization as well. I am love and will be involved um, any way that I can be involved. So this is amazing, great resources, great things that you're working on. Trina, is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we say goodbye to you today? Yeah. So one last thing is um, the founder of I Am Love, Joanna Treylove, and I partnered up and we created a three-day retreat. It's called Pageant Rehab. 
And we like to say it's the prescription for the pageant hangover. (laughs) And it's something different and unique. And it's just a way for women over the age of 21 who have competed, they know that after you've competed, you've just got this exhaustion, this letdown. And so we are creating this retreat as a way as a for a foundation for either women who just need to relax um, or who are going to be competing in the near future. And it gives them that foundation so that when they're done competing, they have those tools so that they're not as exhausted as they were before. So we're really excited about pageant rehab and we're going to be bringing the three-day retreats all over the U.S. Our first one is coming up in May um, in San Diego, and we still have a few slots available. So if anybody's interested, just go to pageantrehab.com and you can sign up there. That's a great idea. I love it. And, you know, I have to interject that also, you know, I, of course I've been on all levels of pageantry, but in addition to being a contestant, if you're a director, I, you know, I directed for a number of years and you feel like you've been run over by a truck by the time the end of the weekend is over. So um, if you are a director or a coach like myself now, and you give so much of yourself that you almost feel like you've been sucked dry, I'll be honest, it's how you feel. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you have a lot of people in one pageant and you you know, so we need it as well. So yes. it's a great prescription for anyone that has completed an event or a season of pageantry and you just need that, that girl time and that that relaxation time and just want to be able to let go and to heal yourself. I highly recommend yes. that as well. So yes. Sounds like an amazing idea. Come to me to help rev you up and get you ready and then go to Trina and Joanna to help you come down and relax and get over that hangover. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Once again, share with everyone how to reach you, reach out to you. Yeah, so you can follow me. I'm the zebra queen on social media. Um, You know, just pairing up that rare disease. Uh, Zebra is the logo for rare disease. And obviously being a queen. So uh, you can find me on Instagram as well as Facebook. And I also have a website and it's designsbytrina.com. Fantastic. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Trina. Thank you so much for being my guest and to have you on my show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Mine too. Thanks for listening to Beauty Call Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, I would love for you to review my show and share this with your friends and family. If you or someone you know would like to be on my show, just contact me at JaniceMcQueen.com. Until next week, stay beautiful inside and out.